Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is to create moments that change lives. We pray that these weekly messages will be a moment in your day that leads to a change in your life. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. Good morning, LifeGate. Come on, who's excited to be here today? Beautiful Sunday morning, Palm Sunday today. Man, I am so excited to see all of you. And you guys are looking good. Why don't you just look at your neighbor and tell him, you look good today. Come on. You look good. Ask him, did you lose a little weight? Come on, just tell him. Even if it's not true, everybody likes to hear that, right? Hey, man, you guys are looking great today. It's so awesome to be worshiping together with our LifeGate church family right here in person. We also want to welcome everybody that's joining us online. And we want to tell you, if you're online, hey, we miss you. Cannot wait until we can see you in person. And I'll just say this. I'm just going to throw this out there. You're missing out, too, because you could get to see us. And we would love for you to be a part of that. And we're just excited to be together. In fact, maybe you've been joining us online haven't been back in person yet, I will tell you that next week is a great time to come back in person because how many know what is next week? Come on, how many know what is next week? Easter weekend is next week. In fact, only six days from today is our first Easter service on Saturday evening. In fact, we have three Easter services this year on Saturday evening at five o'clock and then on Sunday at 9, 15 and 11. And you know what that means. That means that we have three opportunities. Everybody say three opportunities. Three opportunities to invite someone to come to church on Easter. In fact, how many know that people will go to church on Easter that wouldn't go to church any other time of year, right? In fact, there are people that are thinking about church right now even that haven't thought about it for really since last year, maybe even since two years ago because last year we weren't in person because of all the pandemic stuff. And so people are thinking about church and thinking about what am I going to wear? How am I going to get my kids dressed for Easter? And they're going to want to go to church on Easter weekend that wouldn't go any other time, which that's what that does is that provides us an opportunity to reach people. And how many know that's what we're all about, right? is that we are about people having an experience with God, making moments that lead to changed lives. And so we want your help. Everybody nudge your neighbor and tell them he needs your help. Come on. I need your help. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to do three things over this next six days. First of all, I need you to pray. How many would help me and say, hey, I will pray between now and Easter weekend. And I want you to pray specifically. Hey, pray for me, for the message, for the service, all that. But what I really want you to do is pray specifically for someone that you know that does not know God or that is not in church. In fact, last week we gave you these little cards. We'll do it again this week to write down just one person that you know that you're going to invite to church next weekend on Easter and over this next six days what I would challenge you to do is just pray for them pray that God will give you an opportunity to invite them pray that their hearts would be open to respond and that they would come and then after you pray here's what I need you to do not just pray I need you to invite all right so how many will help me by inviting at least one person to church on Easter weekend you just invite them it's an easy weekend to invite them because you're like hey it's Easter you got to go to church on Easter we have some great stuff for the kids it's going to be a fantastic day so pray 
pray, invite, and then serve. Here's what I need is I need some of you who have not been serving. In fact, since coming back from the pandemic and all that kind of stuff, only about 50% of our volunteers have come back to serving. And so here would be a great time at Easter to say, hey, I'm ready to get back on a life team. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to use my gifts and talents because on Easter weekend, there's more people that show up. So we need more people to serve them, to greet them, to greet them in the parking lot, to help with the kids, to do all the different stuff. So help me with that. So how many will help me over this next week? Come on. I'm feeling alone up here, like five of you. Come on, how many will help me with with something like that? I appreciate that. And I know some of you are saying, why do you do this, Pastor? Like every time it's before Easter, it's before Christmas, or it's before at the movies, or it's before whatever. We're always talking about praying and inviting and serving. We're always talking about why do we do this stuff? Well, I'll tell you why. In fact, that's what this series that we're doing last week and this week is all about. It's really kind of the why behind the what. And here's the why for why we make a big deal about Easter. Easter for why we make a big deal about praying for it and inviting your friends. And that is this, we believe that the church has a mission and that mission is to bring the hope of Jesus Christ to the community and to the world. Come on, right? And we believe with all of our heart that if people will get into a moment like what we have on Sunday mornings, like what's going to happen on Saturday and Sunday of Easter, if people will get into a moment in the presence of God, it will be the catalyst that will lead to a change of their life and a change for all of eternity in their lives. Amen? And here's what I know, guys. Here in this last year, it has been a time where everything seems to have been coming against the church of Jesus. I mean, you think about it, since last March with the pandemic, and then after the pandemic, you had all of the racial stuff that's going on, and then you got all the political stuff that brings division, then you got all of the economic uncertainty in the world, and I'm just telling you that in this last year, it has been harder to be a pastor than it's ever been before, because there has been attack after attack after attack against the church of Jesus, against the mission that the church has of bringing hope, the hope of Jesus. Jesus to the community and to the world. And man, it it has been a season. It has been a time, but I'm just telling you that I am hopeful today. And the reason that I'm hopeful that even though there has been attack after attack after attack, I also know what Jesus said about his church. And this is what he said in Matthew chapter 13. He said, I'm going to build my church. Everybody say my church. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus says, hey, I got a job to do. I got a church to build. And I'm just telling you guys that no pandemic and no racial division and no political stuff and no economic uncertainty, nothing in all of heaven or in hell or all the earth, nothing can come against the church of Jesus Christ. Come on, I'm hopeful for that. How many are hopeful with that today? The God says, Jesus says, I got a mission and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build my church. And that's important. In fact, that's what we've built this series on. The name of the series is My Church. And it's built on this idea that this church is his church, right? And how many know that if this is Jesus's church, then it's in pretty good hands, right? We're probably going to be okay, right? Because he's going to take care of it. And we've also been doing just a little bit of a play on words here as we talk about my church, because it's not only Jesus's church, but how many know it's your church, 
and it's my church, and it's our church, and God has called us together to come and to build his church. And so what we've been talking about in this little just kind of two-part mini-series, how many like mini-series sometimes, right? I mean, sometimes you watch a show on Netflix, and it's got like 14 seasons, and sometimes it's got like three episodes. You know what I'm saying? Well, this series is kind of a mini-series. Most of our series are four, five, six weeks, but in this just little two-part series leading us into Easter, what we have been doing is we've just been looking at this idea of my church, my church, your church, our church, his church. What are we called to do? What does Jesus say about his church? And so last week we started off with this one thought about his church, and that is this, is that my church, his church, is built for the one. So everybody say, built for the one. Now, you're saying that if you weren't here last week, you probably don't know what that means. And so I will just tell you, if you don't know what that means, or if you weren't even here last week, first of all, you missed it and we missed you. But secondly, you can still go back and watch the message from last week on our YouTube or do our podcast or you can find it on Facebook. And I would encourage everybody to do that. If you missed last week, or even if you were here last week and like you just want to go back and review, I think it's so important because last week we gave you a foundation message that really tells us why we exist as a church. That as a church, we are built to reach the one, the one person that is lost. We talked about it. We're going to talk about it more in the message today about the parables that Jesus taught about the one lost sheep and how the shepherd went to find the one that is lost. And Jesus's church and our church and my church and this church is built on this principle that we are built to reach the one that is lost. We're built for the one. Now, today I'm going to give you the second thought, and that is this, is that my church is not just built for the one, but my church is making disciples. So everybody say, making disciples. My church is built for the one, and my church is making disciples. In fact, this is not just a LifeGate thing. This is actually a Jesus thing. In fact, we see it in this passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 28. In fact, if you have your Bibles, if you have your LifeGate app, you can open it up. It'll be on the screen there for you as well. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to read it together. Then we're going to talk about it just a little bit. Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 18. This is what it says. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and what? Say this word out loud. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Now, let's just do a little, like a little theology thing here today. How many know this is a very famous passage of scripture that I just read? How many know what it's called? Raise your hand if you know what it's called. A few. Okay. Now here's the thing. You don't have to feel bad if you don't know what it's called. Likely if you know what it's called because you went to Bible college or you went to Christian school growing up or Sunday school or something like that. If you don't know what it's called, that's okay because I'm going to tell you what it's called. You ready? It's called the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19, what we just read, this is called the Great Commission. And the reason that it's called the Great Commission is because this is Jesus. He has gathered together his disciples. He's actually getting ready to go back to the Father in heaven. And before he goes, basically he gives them this mission. He's like, hey, your mission, should you choose to accept it? Like, here is your, like, this is, this is what I am calling you to do, to go and make disciples of all nations. 
to teach them to obey all that I have commanded you to obey. In other words, he's going, hey, guys, if you want to know what your job is as a Christian, here's your job. This is the task that God has given you, and that is to make disciples. If we want to know what the church is all about, this is what Jesus said. I can narrow it down to this. The church is all about this. It's all about making disciples of all nations to go and make disciples disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Now, that's the great commission. Now, I think that really I could take what Jesus said here and really we could even sum it up even more in four words. How many think I could take that passage and break it down to four words? Think I can do that? Some of you don't believe in me. We're going to try it. All right, ready? Four words. Here's what God has called my church to do, our church, his church. Here it is, to make more and better disciples. Everybody say that with me today. More and better disciples. I said everybody, not three of you. Let's try it again. More and better disciples. What is our job? What has Jesus commissioned us to do? What, has, what, what is the task that he gave us before he left? And he said, hey, I, I've got a job for you to do. What was that job? That we would be people, that we would be a church, that our church would be a church that is making more and better disciples. Now, let's just narrow that down, break it down just a little bit today. Let's start with the more disciples. In fact, if you're taking notes, write that down, more disciples. Let's see what he says about it in verse number 19. This is what he says. He says that we are to go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, hey, there are people that are out there who are not yet disciples, And so here's the job that I am giving to you as my followers to go to them so that they can come in and they can become disciples. You know what you would call that? You would call that make more disciples. There are 12 of you here now, but I want you to leave and go to the people that are not yet disciples. I want you to make them into disciples. So how many would say we could narrow that down to say make more disciples, right? You with me? Now, how do we do that? Well, we do that with what we talked about last week, by focusing on the one. In fact, last week, we shared with you the stories that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15. In fact, this is such a huge part of the reason that Jesus came, that he he begins to share this story with his followers to just give them a a picture of, of his mission, our mission, what the church really ought to be like. And so he tells them, first of all, he tells this one story and he says, hey, there was this shepherd and the shepherd, he had a hundred sheep, but one day one of his, one of his sheep ran away. And so the shepherd, instead of saying, hey, it's okay that the sheep is gone. I still have 99 sheep here that instead the shepherd actually took the 99 sheep and he put them in, he put them in the pen and he left them to go out and search for the one sheep that was lost. And Jesus says, this is what it's all about. It's all about focusing on those ones that are lost, going to them to bring them back so that they can be disciples, to make more disciples. And Jesus says, hey, if you didn't get that, hey, I'll tell you another story. In fact, he gives three right in a row. He says, hey, there was this woman who had 10 coins. And one day she noticed that one of her valuable coins was lost. And instead of saying, hey, I I still got nine, everything is good, let me take care of the nine that I have. Instead, the Bible says that she lit a lamp and she searched the whole house until she finally found the one coin that was lost. And then when she found it, she called all of her neighbors and friends to come over and have a big party to celebrate that the one that was lost had now 
been found. And Jesus said, hey, in case you're not getting it yet, there's another story of a man who had two sons. And one son left, ran away, was lost, was gone. And the father, even though he loved the son who was at home just as much as the son who was gone, the father's heart was broken until the lost son came home. And Jesus says, this is the mission that I came to accomplish, to go to the lost sons, the lost daughters, the lost sheep. And this is the mission that God has given us as a church, that we would be a people who would build everything that we do around this purpose of saying, as long as there is one sheep that is lost, as long as there is one son that is not at home, as as long as there is one person that is far more valuable than one little coin, as As long as they are lost, we will do everything that we can to go to them, to go into all the world so that we can bring them in and make them into disciples, more disciples. Now, here's the deal is that some churches kind of don't get this. In fact, some churches tend to, and it's easy. This is our, this is our gravitational pull as followers of Christ and as a church to become, become more focused on the 99 to focus on let's make better disciples. Let's do all the things that we do about trying to build the 99 that are here and forget about the one that is out there and that is lost, right? But notice this, notice who Jesus is talking to when he says, go into all the world and make disciples. Who's he talking to? He's talking to people who are already disciples. If it was only about making better disciples, He would have not had to tell them to go because they were already right there. He could have just said, let's make you into better disciples. So it starts with more disciples. Go go into all the world and make disciples and teach them to obey. But it doesn't end just with more disciples. It also has to include better disciples. Jesus says make more and better disciples. In fact, notice what he says here in verse number 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. Notice these, notice these words, teaching them to obey. How many know what the mark of a disciple is? The mark of a disciple is that they have obeyed what Jesus said to obey. They are living the way Jesus said to live. And so here's what Jesus says. Hey, I want you to go and make more disciples, but I don't want you to just make more disciples. I also want you to focus on making better disciples, on teaching, on training, on developing, on leading so that these disciples can then grow to be more obedient to the things that I have commanded. And so here's what we have to notice is that there is a dual purpose behind the mission of the church. That is not just make more disciples, that's important. It's also about make better disciples. It's about do everything that we can to not just go to the one, but also to grow the 99. Come on, see what I did there? I work hard on this stuff, you know, come on. Go to the one while at the same time growing the 99. And here's the truth is that some churches get so focused on only going to the one. Let's, let's build the church on all, on all the people that don't know the Lord and everything they do is about like, let's get people to come to the church. And here's what happens sometimes is that that kind of a church becomes a mile wide, but only like an inch deep, right? And Jesus says, no, it's not one or the other. It's both 
at the same time. It's not just being built for the one. It's also building the 99 while you are reaching the one. It's not just go to the one. It's also grow the 99. It's not just more disciples. It's better disciples. And both of these things have to be happening at the same time. So how does that happen? What does that look like? I think we can get a picture of what that looks like and what happened in the very first church. In fact, it's found in the book of Acts chapter 2. So if you want to look there in your Bible or follow along there in your notes, you can do that as well today. Let me just set it up for you. Here's what happens. Jesus gathers his disciples together and he gives them the great commission. He says, go into all the world, preach and make disciples. He tells them to do all of those things that we just read. And then he gives them a promise. He says, hey, I'm going to go back to the Father. But if I go, it's good for you because what's going to happen is I'm going to send a comforter, the Holy Spirit, that's going to be with you. And I have to be with you in body, but the Holy Spirit will be with you in spirit. So he'll be with you everywhere. And that's the promise. And so I want you to go to Jerusalem, he says, and I want you to, I want you to wait there until the Holy Spirit comes that I have promised. And so that's what the disciples did. In Acts chapter 2, they're gathered together in this upper room and they're praying and they're seeking the Lord and they're saying, you know, Jesus is gone. We don't know quite what to do next. And then suddenly the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit comes down on the place and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, powerful stuff. You can go read that in Acts chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 2 through 4. You can see what happens. And in that moment, the church was born. And from that moment forward, then we see the church begin to try to live out what Jesus commissioned them to do to make more and better disciples. And we can see this being lived out in the very first church in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42. And I'm going to read it. And while I read it, I want you to listen for more and better disciples. Check it out. Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. How many can see right in there? You can see both more and better. Check it out. Verse 47, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What would that be? More disciples. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. What would you call that? Better disciples. The first church was living out the great commission to make more and better disciples. And this is what we're called to do. This is the foundation of our church. In fact, if you're here today and you're a guest for the first or second time, you're here on a great day because you're, you're going to understand this is who we are as a church. We're all about going to the one while at the same time growing the 99. We're all about being built to reach the one while at the same time building those who are part of the 99. So what does that look like? How do we do that? Well, I think right here in this passage, we can just see three things. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. If we're going to be people who are going to make more and better disciples, here's what we're going to have to do. First thing is that you have to have a place. Everybody say a place. You got to have a place to grow. In fact, check it out. Look at our verse in Acts 2, 46 again. It says, every day they continue to do what? To meet together 
in the temple courts. Now, here's the thing. In order to make more and better, better disciples, what did they have to do? They had to come together. They had to meet together. They had to meet together on a regular, on a consistent basis. And they had to have a place to do it. What was their place? It says it right there. They met together in the temple courts, right? Now, of course, in modern day times, we don't have temple courts. But you know what we got? We got a church building. Come on. We got a place. We're in it. We're sitting here doing it right now. Right now, as I am speaking, you know what we are attempting to do? Make more and better disciples. And the reason that that can happen is because we have a place to do it. That we are here together for that reason to make more and better disciples. And it happens here every single Sunday, every time that we come together. In fact, this is why we meet together in person every single week. This is why, because we have a mission. And in order for that mission to, have, to take place, you gotta have a place to grow in. And the church is a place to grow in. It's where we gather so that more people can become disciples and so those that are already disciples can become better disciples. This is why, guys, it's so important that we don't just meet online, but we meet together in person. And I know, man, there's all kinds of things that are trying to stop that right now, but this is why almost every week I'm saying, man, there's nothing like being together in person because this is the way God designed it. That together they came, they came into a place, into the temple courts, so that they could encourage each other, so they could build each other up, so that it could be a place where they could bring people who are not yet disciples, so that they could become disciples, so that they could do what Jesus told them to do, which is the mission of every church and every Christian, to make more and better disciples. I know I'm getting excited today, but this is just what we're all about. This is why it's so important. This is why we do church the way that we do it here. Because most of, the t- most of what we do as a church is focused on this idea, we want to make more disciples. So every Sunday when you come in, the reason that church is the way that it is here at LifeGate specific to us is because we want to create an environment where someone who is not yet a disciple can come in and be loved and be welcomed and understand what's going on. In fact, this is the reason that there is a consistency to everything we do. In fact, if you've been here more than two Sundays, you know how Sunday goes here at church, here at LifeGate, right? We got three or four songs at the beginning. Someone greets, there's a video, there's a sermon. Like we, we were gonna end, uh, start on time and end on time. There is a consistency to it. Why? Because consistency makes it feel safe. In fact, here's the thing. I challenge you to invite people to come in Easter and stuff like that, but Easter's not the only time you can invite someone to church. In fact, every Sunday is a good Sunday to invite someone to church at LifeGate. And the reason for that is because you can know every single Sunday, if I invite my friend, they're not going to be weird. Pastor's always weird, but everybody else is pretty cool. They're not going to do anything weird. Like, I know when I come in, I know what to expect. And I know this is not going to be this Sunday. Come on, you ever done that? You prayed for someone, invited them to church? Then not at LifeGate, but at some other church, you get there and then this is the Sunday they do some weird thing, right? And you're like, oh my goodness, you know what I'm saying? No, it's consistent. It's safe. It's casual. It's why we dress the way that we dress so that anybody could walk in not knowing anything about church and feel comfortable, not feel left out. It's the reason I talk the way that I talk. Because I don't want to use some big high language that nobody understands. I don't even understand that stuff anyway, you know. I mean, no, we don't want insider language. What we want is just normal 
language that anybody can understand when you come in. It's the reason that we greet people with big old smiles. It's the reason that we have stuff like our At The Movie series that we did. It's the reason that we have a safe environment for our children back there and they check in and they lock the doors once they get in there to keep them safe. It's the reason it's a fun, family-friendly environment. All that so that someone could come in and know nothing about church but still feel comfortable and still feel safe. And still know what to expect. In fact, how many know when you go to Chick-fil-A and you order the number one at Chick-fil-A and everybody, I know your stomach's growling and you're sad because Chick-fil-A's closed on Sunday, you know. But when you go and you order number one, how many know you're going to get that same number one every single time? It's going to be consistent. And that's what we do at LifeGate every week. We want it to be consistent. We want it to be a safe environment for your friends, your family, your neighbors, your people. Somebody lost their ring. You good? Your people that maybe don't know the Lord, have an opportunity to come in and don't feel weird, right? You know what I'm saying? Like it's a consistent place that every single week at the end of the service, I'm gonna give an opportunity for people to respond to the gospel message of Jesus Christ every week. Why? Because we're a church that's built for the one. But at the same time, every single week, we're not just built for the one. Guess what we want to also do? We want to build the 99. So every single time that I preach, guess what? No matter what the sermon series is, even when it's a very much one-oriented series, like at the movies or something like we might do at Easter or after Easter, every single time it's going to be built on on the scripture. It's going to be a foundational message. It's going to be filled with passages of scripture and things that the word of God says that every every single week I'm going to attempt to be practical in such a way that when you hear the message, you'll know how to apply it. Almost every week I give you application points. Why? Because I don't want you to just have information. I want you to have application and transformation. Come on, it's the reason that every Sunday whenever I give a response, give an opportunity for people to respond and, and come to know Jesus. After that, I also give everyone an opportunity that is a part of the 99 to respond to what Jesus talked to you about in the message because we're doing this at the same time every time that we come to church on a Sunday what we want to do is we want to we want to be built for the one while also building the 99 you guys understand it so there's a place a place to grow in but then notice the second thing that happens for this first church in the book of Acts is that in order to make more and better disciples they also had to have a people to grow with check it out Acts chapter 2 verse 45 and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere heart, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Notice this. Where does this growth happen? When people grow to be better disciples, where does it happen? It happens within the context of connections and relationships with one another. In fact, this is a biblical principle. The Bible says it like this in Proverbs, uh, I think it's Proverbs 17, says it like this. It says, iron sharpens iron. And so one man sharpens another. How are you going to grow as a disciple? By getting around other people who are disciples and letting them sharpen you. Bible says it like this in Hebrews. It says that we should not give up meeting together like some are in the habit of doing, but instead we should come together and we should spur one another on towards love and good deeds. What's this talking about? It's talking about when we come together, if we're going to make more and better, better disciples, we have to come together so that we can sharpen one another, so that we can spur one another on. Growth happens within the connections and the relationships that we have with the people around us. But let me just flip that on its head a minute. And could I tell you that if coming together with others will cause you to grow, 
when you stop coming together with others, you know what's going to happen? You're going to stop growing. And let me just tell you even worse than that. When you stop coming together with others, not only will you stop growing, sometimes you might even start shrinking. You know what? I've seen this over this last year. It breaks my heart. It scares me as a pastor, to be honest. People who have decided, ah, you know, I don't know if I need to be at church or it's not as big of a deal, it's not as important. And the more that they become separated from one another, the more they stop growing. And some even I see have begin to shrink in some of the habits and some of the spiritual disciplines that would cause them to grow in the things of the Lord. And this is why it's so important. In fact, how many, how many people like going camping? You like, you like going camping? Raise your hand. I don't like going camping. I'm just uh, saying, <laughs> I like air conditioner. I like heaters. You know, I like nice warm beds. I like showers. I like all that. But I have heard from those who do like going camping that if you have a campfire, that when it's time to put the fire out, you don't just go douse water on it, right? Those of you camp, campers, why? Because smoke's just gonna go everywhere. You're gonna smell like smoke, all that kind of stuff. Your clothes, everything's gonna get everywhere. No, here's what you do if you wanna put out a fire when you're camping. Here's all you do. You take the tongs, you take the coals, and you separate them from one another. Am I right? Guess what? The same thing that happens in the body of Christ. And you know what COVID has done? It's taken some tongs, separated coals, and there, there are embers that have began to, began to go out because we've forgotten this principle that if we're going to make more and better disciples, we've got to have a place to grow and we've got to have a people to grow with. This is why life groups is so important. That's why we challenge you to get in a group. There's groups out there on that, on that wood wall out there that you can, there's a little QR code. You just take a picture of it and it'll tell you about the group and you can get into a group because it's, it's getting those embers together and rubbing up against each other just a little bit, not too much because it's COVID time still, but you know, getting close to others so that, that the iron sharpens iron so that their heat becomes, becomes the fire that begins to burn inside of you. This is why this is so huge. And those of you that are in life groups, and some, sometimes here's what happens, we're in a group and we're in it for a long time and we forget that the group's not just about the 99. We can't just focus on the 99 that we know. We also have to think about the one that maybe also needs to be connected to our group, the people that are not part of the church yet, that we open our eyes and we look around and we go, hey, not just the people that I already know in the church, but the people that are new to the church or the people that are not even in the church yet. How do I bring them in to be a part of the group as well? Because if you're going... To, to make more and better disciples, then here's what you gotta have. You gotta have a place to grow in. You gotta have a people to grow with. But then notice this last thought, and that is this, you gotta have a purpose. Everybody say purpose. You gotta have a purpose to grow towards. In fact, I would describe this one as surrendered living. In fact, how many know that the goal of every disciple is to become fully surrendered to God? Like, how do you know if you are Becoming a better disciple, I'll tell you how you know. The more surrendered your life becomes to God. And that's the whole goal. In fact, as I read this passage in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, I'm going to read it again. And while I read it, I want you to listen for words that give clues to this idea of commitment, of devotion, of fully being surrendered to God's purposes. Let's read it again, verse 42. And they, what? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Did you hear how much more and more and more and more surrendered they were becoming to the purposes and to the commission of God? I mean, listen to that. They were devoted. They were devoted to teaching and to fellowship and to prayer that every day, not just once a week, not just, sometimes nowadays it's like if I go to church once a month, boy, I'm really committed to that church. But they were coming together every day. They were devoted to this because their whole life was surrendered to this mission that Jesus had given them. They sold their property and gave to anybody that had need. They met together. They opened up their homes and invited people to come into their homes. Why? Why were they so surrendered to this? Because Jesus had changed their life and Jesus had given them this mission. Now it is your mission to go and to make more and to make better disciples. And so now as I become a better disciple, what I'm going to do is surrender render my life more to the mission and the purpose that God has given me. Man, that's my heart, guys. That's why I get so excited. I know I, sometimes I start yelling, and, but because here's the deal. This is why we exist. And all of hell has broken loose this year to try to stop this mission from happening. But Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm going to raise up some people who are going to say, hey, I'm fully surrendered to the mission that Jesus gave, the Great Commission, make more and better disciples, to build a place for the one, to build the 99, to go to the one and grow the 99, to be all that God has called me to be. It's going to take me surrendering all that I have to him. We have a term for that here at LifeGate. In fact, it's one of our core values, and that is this. We say it like this. We go all in. Everybody say, we go all in. We go all in. We're a people that just say, man, we're all in. We're all in on the mission that Jesus gave. We're going we're gonna to give all of our time, all our talent, all our thoughts, all our treasure, everything that we have, all that we have as we become better disciples. What that means is that more and more of my thoughts more and more of my focus, more and more of my time, more and more of my talents, more and more of my treasure is used to accomplish the mission that Jesus gave. That's what I've given my life to. I've given my life to saying, how can I be used to make more and better disciples? How can I help you to give your life to make more and better disciples? That we would, all of us, be in a place where we say, I'm all in on this mission. And you know how we share with people that we're all in? There's lots of different ways. You know, one of the ways that we tell everybody that we're all in? By getting baptized. In fact, that's what Jesus said. He says, hey, make disciples and then do what? Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You know, it's one thing to raise our hand or nod our head and say, yeah, pastor, I'm all in. It's a whole different thing to get into a cold tank of water and get your hair wet. You know what I'm saying? And that tells everybody Man, I'm not just saying it. I'm not just raising my hand. Like, I'm all in. Dunk me down, pastor. Hold me down longer if you have to, because I'm all in on this thing, right? You know how we tell people that we're all in? is by leading our families to live this way 
In fact, next, uh, in two weeks from now, we're going to have child dedications. You know what's going to happen? This stage is going to be filled with people, with parents who are saying, man, I am dedicating myself. I am all in to not just let it start, stop with me, but to take the mission of Christ and, and, and push it down, like teach it to my children and to their children and the grandkids and on down, on and on and on and on we go. And you have opportunity to do that. In fact, on that same Sunday, two weeks from now, Sunday after Easter, we're going to have baptisms. If you haven't got signed up for a baptism, you can sign up today in your LifeGate app. There's a link there. You can go. Maybe you tried to do it already. The link was broken. We found out and we fixed it. So now you can go back and make sure that you are signed up for baptism. If you want to dedicate your kids, you can go to that same, that same area of the LifeGate app and you can sign up to dedicate your kids because you're just saying, man, my life is fully surrendered. You know how you say you're fully surrendered to God? You surrender your time. You serve. Like that's why I'm always challenging you to serve. Why? Because it's a mark of a disciple to serve. It's a mark of a surrendered life. You know how you tell God that you're fully all in with him? You trust him with your finances. You give. That's what they did. They sold all their possessions and gave to those who had need. Am I saying sell all your possessions, give to those that have need? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying, hey, little by little, start to say, God, you're in control of my finances too. We do the giving ladder here. We just say, if you're not giving anything, give something. If you're giving something, do it monthly. If you're doing it monthly, then become a tither. If you're a tither, go above and beyond that because more and more and more and more, we're leading towards this, this destination of more and better, more surrendered disciples. And that's what we're all about. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. Lord, God, I've done my best to share the vision that is in my heart, but it's not my vision, it's yours. You said it's my church. So God, I just get to be a steward of it. Thank you for that. Thank you for these wonderful people that I get to pastor and lead. God, I pray that something that is said in this series would just ignite a flame in our hearts, that we just be reminded what it's all about. God, I pray that nothing that has tried to come against the church as a whole, and even the church here locally in this last year, the gates of hell would not prevail against it. You would build your church. We trust you to do that. Speak to our hearts. God, convict us maybe of areas where maybe We've not been as fully surrendered as we once were. Convict us of areas where maybe you're calling us to a more fully surrendered life. Speak to our hearts. God, I pray if there's one person that's here today that does not know you as Savior, if there's one that is the lost son or daughter that needs to come home, that today would be the day. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed here today, this is your opportunity to respond. In fact, that story that Jesus told about that son who he left home, but the father never stopped loving him. Father's heart was broken for him until that day that he saw him walking down that pathway, returning to the place where he belonged. The Bible says that the father welcomed him in with open arms, loved him. He said, can I just be a, be a servant in your house? And the father said, no, you're not my servant. You're my son. Put the ring on his finger. Put the robe on his back. Let's have a party because my lost son has come home. And that's the picture of the father in heaven. And if you're here in this room or you're watching online and you're going, 
I haven't been walking with the Father. I've been doing my own thing. I'm out there on my own, but today I want to return to him. I want to come to reason. Maybe you've never had a relationship with him, but he is, he is calling to you. He's saying, come, come to me. I love you. Come to me. You're not my servants. I want you to be my sons. I want you to be my daughters. If that's you here in this room or those of you online and you say, I know I'm not where I should be with the Father, not right in relationship with God, but today I want to be, I want to I return to him. Just like, the, just like the young man in the story, he had, a, he had a time when he came to his senses that even right now, as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, just something changes. This, in this moment, something just switches and you realize, man, it's time for me to come home. If that's you all over this room, would you just lift a hand today? I wanna to pray with you. I'm not where I should be with God. Thank you over here. Anybody else? Thank you back there in the back. I wanna be right with God today. Pastor, pray for me. I want us to stand all over this room. Those of you online, maybe that's you. If that's you, let us know in the comments or let us know in a direct message because we would love to help you to take those next steps. I want us all to pray today in full surrender to the Father today, everyone aloud. Dear Jesus, I confess, I am a sinner. God, I've fallen short. I'm away from you, but I thank you that you love me, that you call me back. And today, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior and be my Lord from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we just give the Lord praise for that today? Here's your chance. If you are a follower of, or if you prayed that prayer and you became a follower of Jesus, baptism's your next step. I know I already said it, but I'm gonna say it again. Baptism, get signed up for that. That's just your way of saying, man, I'm all in on this thing. And we wanna celebrate that with you. Those of you that are already followers of Christ, you're part of the 99. Hey, be challenged today. There's a mission for us to live. And that mission, guys, is not just survive COVID. That mission is to thrive. That mission is to, to take the mission of Jesus forward, even in the times that we live in today. And as a church, we have not stopped that. We're moving forward in that. We want you to move forward with us. One of the ways we do that is by praying for our one. In fact, how many of you say, I know somebody that doesn't, know the Lord or is not in church, it needs to be in church. Come on, every, almost everybody could raise your hand. Here's what we challenged you to do last week, and I want to challenge you to do again this week. At your seat, there's a card like this, says my one. Just take and put somebody's name, that person that came to your mind, put their name. And then take this card with you for this next six days, pray over them. Pray that God will give you opportunity to speak into their life. And when he does, that they'll be open to hear it, and they'll respond to it. Pray that they'll come on Easter. Or even if they don't come on Easter, that there will be a seed that will be planted in their heart so that eventually they'll come home to the Father. I told you last week, I was reminded about a friend of mine that I years ago used to pray for. On, every time we'd have one of these, that, that was my person I'd write down and I hadn't seen him in forever. Hadn't written him down or prayed for him in forever and somebody reminded me about him. I said, that's my one right now. I wrote their name. I've been praying for him this week. I'm gonna reach out to him this week. Invite him. How many know if we would all just do that? How many know that the church, it would be like the church of Acts, that the Lord would add to their number daily those who are being saved. There would be more and better disciples. That the more we become better disciples, the more there's gonna be more disciples. Come on, right? It's a cycle. 
it all comes down to surrendered living. So would you do this? Would you just take and write a name on there? And I want, us to, I want us to just take a moment, lift them up to the Lord and just pray over them. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we want to, we want to be on mission with you. God, break our hearts for those that are away from you, those that are lost, those that don't know you. Show us who they are, those that are in our lives. You put them in our lives for a purpose. Help us to be on mission. God, to love them, to lead them to you. God, I pray for my one today, for Will. In Jesus' name, I pray you do a work in his heart. Even right now, you stir him, and he wouldn't even know why as I reach out to him this week, that his heart would just be open to respond. Give me the opportunity. God, I pray for our, God, our friends that are here today, Lord, as they pray for their one, as they reach out to their one, God, that they would be open to invitation. And as they have a moment in your presence, it would lead to a change in their life. God, I pray in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, one more time, give the Lord. 